This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Our heroes are in the middle of a shopping spree, having signed up for the Bestowing of Strength fight tournament the very next day. But will they find cute enough masks? Which of them will win in the arena? And will Butthole be able to choreograph a beautiful dance for the losers? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons. The B-I-C-H-F. This is Improvement Council of Handor. Fuck. B-I-C-H-F. <laughs> yeah, but it's just bitch-F. <laughs> like, it's not good. <laughs> work on it. It's a work in progress. Bitch-F. So, here's the deal. I'm going to let you all roll twice on the mask chart. Uh, you tell me which mask you want of the two. Um, right. Who's going first? 72. Do you want both numbers to reference? Give me both numbers. Okay, so roll again. 57. Okay, Dottle, you have the option between a mask that makes your face appear as though it's upside down. <laughs> Amazing. Or elaborate clown makeup. The clown spider is among the deadliest. <laughs> no, I'm going to take the one that makes my face upside down, because we could probably like use that later if we wanted to scare the shit out of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is everyone's going to assume that it's a really good upside down goblin mask, but it's actually just your face. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, upside down. Ryan, go ahead and roll. All right. 69. <laughs> <laughs> or 87. So you can have an elegant but overly high top hat complete with a thick lace veil. <laughs> or it's a porcelain face with exaggerated frown lines and a furrowed brow, and it moves when your face moves. What does it cost me to buy both? Because <laughs> uh, that top hat sounds very wedding appropriate. <laughs> I, I can give you both for 100 Oh, done. I'll pay a bonus 100 Yeah, that's Great. sick. You want to go ahead there, oh, Quinny? Yeah, sorry. 63 and 84. So one of the masks presents two faces. One of the faces faces left, the other faces right, and both can talk. The other is makeup that makes your face look like a veined marble statue. I think I'll have to go with the two-face mask. Sure. Laura, go ahead. 22 and 90. One is an elaborate mirror mask that basically shifts to reflect the appearance of the person closest to the wearer. Or a hat with a large brim and your face becomes impenetrable darkness. The shape-shifting one seems so appropriate for the shape-shifting, but the other is so spooky. What feels more nature -y? The hat feels more nature -y. All right. I got it. You really want that mirror mask. Just saying, you could hold a mirror up to nature. If the closest thing was a bird, you'd look like a bird. And oh your costume God, summons beautiful. birds. You want to kick in the extra money, you can get both. I have 29 gold to my name. Oh. I'm going to just like huddle over with Juniper in a corner and I'm like, I don't want to buy anyone else an extra mask, but this seems to mean a lot to you. So I just slip her some gold because no one knows what she spent at that curio shop except me. 
So I give her this gold so she could buy the second mask. Thanks, butthole. Okay, so the way this will work mechanically is you wear the hat and it makes your face impenetrable darkness. But if you tilt the brim up, then the mirror mask becomes yes. a Yes. Yep. Great. Everybody content with your masks. Anybody need anything else? I look terrifying and adorable. I got my cape for regular wear. I got my overly tall top hat for the wedding. And I'm going to be full of fruit with a porcelain mask at the party. People are going to think I'm a buffet. I've got a face for the cause of death and a face for the result of death. Excellent. Having gone on a very successful shopping spree, thank you for purchasing all the masks. I hope you enjoy. And then he sends you on your way. So here's the question, because we've all had a hell of a night and a hell of a day. We can either pretty much exhaust ourselves and try to learn more about the other fighters or go to sleep so you guys can actually try to win the fight and I can charge up my powers and we can come up with the strategy once we know what's going on tomorrow. I vote second thing, but anybody else? I would like to go to sleep because not only is it the morally right thing to do and to not sabotage our competition, but also I would very much like my abilities to cast spells back. Sleep is looking good. Thoughts? Sure, yeah. Quinny will spend part of the time sleeping and part of the time trying basic dance moves in front of a mirror like when no one's watching. (laughs) (laughs) And that is good and fine. Juniper's a fighter. She's out like a light. So we're going to rest up. So you can rest up at the Barbaran. You can rest up at the workshop. Or if you want more plush things, you could actually rent rooms. I'm imagining it might be smart for us to split between the two locations that we're sort of running just as general security. Because we did leave criminals alive at one of them. Sure. I'd like to go to the Bar Barber Inn because that bed looked real nice and I haven't slept in one since I was a person. You had the worst night. You can have the bed at the Bar Barber Inn. Uh, I'll sleep at the junkyard in case Corsham comes back because technically I was the one who suggested a way to let him go. So if he's going to try to murder someone, it should probably be me. That's nice. I'll go to the Bar Barber Inn. You need mirror access. Nothing you'll tell us. Yeah. Uh, Jinper, where are you going? Bar Barber makes sense. So they'll stay cool. there. I'll be We're at the junkyard in case we need additional yeah. security for the goblins. Okay. So the night passes without incident. Butthole, you wake up a couple times kind of expecting Corsham to return, but no such trouble befalls you. You can see the goblins are still kind of working in shifts. They're used to being pretty industrious and they, they seem twitchy idle. Also, a lot of the folks who kind of live in the more permanent areas of the tribe are excited to get access to all this machinery. So they're, they're just contentedly working away. You can see they're machining parts for McSquiggly and kind of sending them out on a regular basis. Quinny, can you roll me a performance check, please? Not 20. Where it counts. Dancing in front of a mirror alone. <laughs> Picture like the music from Flashdance is playing. Yeah, yeah. You're like... it's, it's the music that Kevin Bacon dances to in the forest during Footloose. Where he yeah, just has if, to if you rolled a 20, out. you get that. If you rolled a 1, you would have been Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs <laughs> in front of the mirror. <laughs> yeah, you just fall into the mirror. The mirror shatters and cuts oh, it. Um, yeah, so no, you're good. Quinn, you actually find that all of your acrobatics and dodging and ducking and weaving and dodging uh, have made you actually pretty light on your feet. So I was going to give you advantage if you passed your test on one of the checks for the upcoming masquerade. Since you rolled a 20, I'm going to give you two. So the first two performance checks uh, will be at advantage. Thank you. On masquerade day. So new day breaks. All of you wake up a little later than you'd intended because you're all pretty tuckered out. One of you is dancing all night, but the others of you have just, you, you've been, you guys have seen some shit. You've been through some stuff lately. So it was nice to get like a proper night's rest. Butthole, you're reassured that nothing untoward happened. And honestly, it feels pretty good. It feels good that the faith you put in the process was actually rewarded for once instead of immediately biting you in the ass. So I'm going to give you one point of inspiration for having faith in people. And having it not, uh, yeah, having it in the right person for the first time. So, Quinny, I'm going to say that 
when you wake up this morning, you're feeling real good about Masquerade. Okay. So you feel less good about the fight in terms of like, you'll give your best, but like, you're not going to like overly exert yourself yeah, for no, this. I think the fight is like a given for me. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. Juniper, do you have any pre-fight rituals that you do? I'm just telling myself to not turn into crunch. In the mirror. Yeah. Don't crunch it up. It's not life or death. It's fine. You can get hurt. No one else gets to come out today. Great. Uh, Donna, <laughs> yeah. what's your pre-fight ritual? I actually am looking in the mirror and being like, okay, you're going to do two things today. You're going to dance real good and you're going to fight real good. You just got to believe in yourself. You are important. You have value. You have skill. Let's do this. Butthole, what are you up to in the morning? So I'm going to actually approach Juniper because she's the one who is the least excited or skilled for this dancing thing. So if I'm going to stack somebody's deck, I'm stacking Juniper's deck. So I, A, talked to her about like tournament philosophy and that kind of thing because I have won these before and I did run a fake fight club for like nine months when I was a slave. Uh, also, I was the champion before, but I also explained to her the ways I think we might be able to cheat with me on the sidelines because I can't be mm-hmm. your direct coach if I'm going to try to influence. I don't know how much magical security is at these things, so I think it's got to be subtle. I have two ideas. Okay. Guidance, I can sort of just keep spamming Juniper with. So it won't actually help you with attacks or defense, but it'll help you with, to talk technically just to Laura so you understand, it can help with like ability checks. The idea is it'll help you if you're jumping or if you're dodging, if you've got to withstand a spell or that kind of thing. So I can subtly put that power on. Uh, Nope, it's a a touch. So I can just put it on you once at the beginning of the fight. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, The other one I could do theoretically if you get desperate is if you hold a hand out and make a spell casting gesture, I can drop a spiritual hammer in the ring as though you summoned it and I can control it from the side, and no one will know I'm doing it. Ooh, okay. So I don't know what security looks like. That might be a very bad idea we should not do. But if I see you make a specific gesture that you could decide right now, I will drop a spiritual hammer into the fight. Um, How about a fist in the air? Like I'm pulling something out of the air and grabbing onto it. I can do that. The other thing I could do, I've never done it sneakily, but I might be able to, is in a really bad situation, if you lower both hands to the ground and raise them both like a wizard, I could probably hot snakes within 60 feet of myself. Also, can we say that this morning in between the mirror talks, I have summoned Otto again and I say, here, you can have this too. And I take a poisonous snake and like put it in her sleeve. <laughs> hey, I'm a hot snake. Some people think I'm hot. Ha ha. Only Donald can hear that, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, Juniper I can, can speak, speak to I'll speak with animals. Otherwise, you all just hear. There's yes. what I think I can do, Juniper. I'll watch your fights. I'm going to be in the crowd with my cape trying to look important as though I've just arrived in town. Fight day has arrived. You all approach the bestowing of strength tournament. The entire town has shown up. It's a pretty big deal. You can see all sorts of fancy nobles have arrived. The sort of patron's booth is mostly empty. You see one very serious-looking man with very sharp features. He's got like a a pointed black mustache and a long black beard, wearing crimson, almost like a priest's vestiment, but not quite, like robes. And he's kind of doing that imperious hands behind his back overlooking the scenario. The two main chairs are empty, though. And yeah, you can see various people have supporter signs. It's kind of like medieval times, so like people are getting little crowns with different colors on them to go sit in the crowd. You can see there's definitely people taking betting odds on the various fighters. Do I recognize any of the nobles? You recognize the seasonal guard. They're the fabled protectors of the Windbreak Vale. You kind of always knew them at at arm's length. Like they were knights who were around and basically each of them is an elf who has fully committed themselves to taking on that helm. Basically the 
one above them trains them. And it kind of means attuning themselves with the season, but also with sort of certain types of magics and energies. They're incredibly good fighters. Each of them has a very distinctly different style uh, and different skill set. You always felt very safe knowing that they were around the palace. You feel slightly less safe knowing that they're now protecting your nemesis. However, they do seem to be entered into the tournament, and you think it's part of Dodalia's attempt to flex the muscle of the Windbreak Veil a bit. She's, you know, far from home, and it's nice to just kind of be like, listen, your rubes, here's what we've got. Because Windbreak is, I think, kind of almost a Rivendell-style kingdom. So amongst the cliffs and the trees, it's very beautiful, but in a kind of stark, functional way. Mm. Up top, you can see this guy looking around. You don't recognize him. You do, however, see Long John Oathkeeper, who is a vizier of the Windbreak Vale. Again, not someone you had too much connection with. He's almost like a middle manager within the palace, but he's definitely the kind of person who would be traveling with the royal party. That said, you do note that there's only one fancy chair in the patron's booth. As I go into the arena, I'm going to be on the spectator side. I want to be close to the front because I need to be pretty close to the floor if I'm going to try to affect things in Mm -hmm. any way. But my other goal would be I want to see if there's an area where a couple of like wizardy looking people are sitting because if there is some sort of detect magic, but I'm surrounded by five other people who could do magic, it might help cover me a little bit. So remembering your days in the fighting pits and your days as the Forsaken, you find a group of people who look vaguely like career gamblers. Some of them are wizards, some of them are warriors. They're the kind of people who would quietly throw hexes into the field if they thought they could get away with it. Very much a Quirrell in Quidditch kind of situation where just like if they can get away with rigging the odds one way or another. But definitely the kind of group where there are shadier people than you who you just look like a career gambler. So like you're basically those guys at the horse track with the slips being like, ah, perfect. Um, Yeah. So you kind of blend in with them. There are other nobles there you recognize from various smaller houses Again, you're in sort of a, an unfamiliar land, so you're not recognizing a lot of the sigils. It's, in a weird way, kind of a relief because you're so used to the politics of both Akab, but more recently of Waterdeep and Neverwinter and that kind of area. That it's, it's just it's nice to know that there are places in the world that are a bit quieter. Yeah, thank Moonhammer. <laughs> um, that said, you're kind of astonished as you're getting your bearings to see that there's an airship docked at the tower that you'd seen kind of coming into town. Uh, that seems to bear the insignia of the Planteers. Well, fucking interesting. I reach into my bag of holding and I take out my little nice perfumed letter from Cormium. Then I, I just smell it and I just feel like I have a friend. Oh, uh, yeah. And I put it back in but the like, bag. But <laughs> like, but maybe more than a friend, but also a friend. Minimum a friend and exciting possibilities for more. Yes, 100%. Uh, so the one thing I want to do while I'm quietly on my way there is I, I want to just make an action while I'm in the crowd and pray to Moonhammer that she intervene on Juniper's behalf to become the victor today. You want to roll a dice? I do. I have to roll a d100. Oh, I rolled a 14, and it had to be less than 10 for this to work. So Look, nothing things, happens. Manny's running amok in hell. Sometimes Moonhammer's a bit busy. That's allowed. She can't have Jim Hellbents die every day. The other thing I want to do, just so you know, Tom, so we don't have to keep cutting back to this. I'm betting 50 gold on all the fights these guys are involved in, but I'm betting against them every time. So that if I'm cheating for Juniper, it's me being like, ah, oh, nuts, she did that thing again. <laughs> just because I need some cover in case people nice. near me get weird. Great. The three of you as fighters arrive, you're able to just kind of stand. There's there's a general fighting pen. Not all the fighters are there, but since you guys are almost knights errant who decided to, to enter the field, mm-hmm. you're all just kept in the pen. And the first names are drawn. And I'm wearing my lordly cape. I'm establishing Oh, myself. yes, yes. You look very... Doctor Strange in plate mail, if he was also Deadpool. I've got my scarf up. And Quinny, you're just dressed as regular old fighting Yeah, I, I'm just, yeah. Or are you erotica? <laughs> 
No, no, I, I Are signed you up as Quinny. Wearing your fuck mask. <laughs> you took that back, thank God. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and it can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. The hosts of Dum Dums and Dragons are 420 friendly all year round, which is why we are excited to have IndiCloud back as a sponsor. As IndiCloud gets ready for summer, they're rolling out a new product, Dank Sickles. <laughs> It's got a great name, and I've never seen anything like this before. A summertime popsicle with 20 milligrams of cannabis. These bad boys come in wild cherry and blue raised flavors, and you can mix and match with a pack of five or go with your flavor of choice. Danksicles are strong enough to share, but mellow enough to take to your next beach day or vacation. And unlike your sketchy neighborhood shop or dealer, IndiCloud gives you savings on every single order. It could be through their gold rewards program, their subscribe and save deals, or our special promo code just for Dum Dums and Dragons listeners. So please, right now, get 30% off your purchase. Head to indicloud.co slash dumdums to get 30% off your first order. And tell them that Dum Dums and Dragons sent you. That's I-N-D-A-C-L-O-U-D dot C-O, not com, C-O, slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, to get 30% off your first order. And let us know how the dank sickles are. 
Hello, I am Bernard Sherbert, the survivalist Herbert from Dum Dums and Dragons, and I am here to help you survive the boredom of day-to-day -day life by helping to engage in the wonderful storytelling, whimsy, comedy, and occasional tragedy of the Dum Dums and Dragons adventures. If you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, that is D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E, and you can join for as little as $1 a month, which will gain access to our Patreon-only Discord, where you can hang out with other people who have also listened to the things you have listened to and seen the things you have seen and thus can describe them with you. Or, at higher levels, you can get ad-free feeds where you can avoid ads like this one. Or, alternatively, at even higher levels, you can add an NPC name, like Bourbon Gerbert was. Or, you can add your own NPC that you build at the highest level and get your name in the credits. Name in the credits. Name in the credits. Sorry, I had to say that three times because it is very, very, very cool. This has been Bourbon Sherbert, encouraging you to go join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. See you in the future. Bleep bloop. So the names are drawn and they say, okay, uh, fighters on the ready. We're just waiting the, uh, the arrival of the Baroness. There is a very, very overly grandiose blast of trumpets. And Baroness Cassandra Gremlock steps up into the booth and does a shitty royal wave. Visually, think like Olivia Coleman in The Favorite. Overly grand, exuding grandness while also being kind of clumsy about it. She thinks she's Maggie Smith, but we all know she's definitely not Maggie Smith. Like she kind of like trips on her robes Shit. a little bit as she comes up, but it's all very stern and like people around her act as though she's a terrifying badass. But So it's sort of like whenever we see Kim Jong-un walk out in front of a delegation. Honestly, yes, 100%. Based on the way everyone reacts, like you know that she literally does have the power to command life and death, similar to King Jong-un, but also innately funny a little bit. Yeah, like sits on the armrest of the chair and then sits on the chair, like just <laughs> just trying so hard. And the man in the robe next to her does a quick double clap of like... Everyone falls silent. He says, Welcome to the tournament. Uh, I am Ivor Reznov, as you know. I am Baroness Gremlock's most esteemed advisor, and I welcome you to the bestowing of strength, or as we call it, fight night here in Handor. Fuck! <laughs> um, and everyone goes nuts, except for everyone who's here from out of town is like, I'm busy screaming the word fuck like a local. Yeah, I'm yeah, on it's board. Great. It's great. Today we have a very important tournament to find champion for our lady, Baroness Gremlock, to carry her into her nuptials tomorrow. So let's have good, clean fight, unless it's not. And everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. Because, you know, no one wants a good, clean fight at this thing. He waves the stewards of the fight who step forward to announce the first round. So various other champions step forward. Reznov explains the rules of the fight. Anyone who goes down will be revived. Other than that, everything's fair play on the field. He says no interference from the crowd. Anyone who is found to be interfering will be taken to the dungeons and will miss out on the remainder of the festivities. He also says there are some surprises along the way, but those will be revealed as time goes on. But in the meantime, the first round is up and Doddle, you'll be fighting Deedledop Fingersprainer. <laughs> who is a... Uh, the deedle dub doddle fight. Yeah, it's the, uh, <laughs> the halfling who's super jacked with tiny legs. Um, so, I'm for the legs. So the fight begins. Doddle, what do you think your tactic is as this tiny jacked gnome rushes at you? Lightning bolt. All right, so <laughs> Doddle, you throw a lightning bolt at him. To your shock, 
He puts his arms up in front of him in an X and it's absorbed by bracers he's wearing like he's fucking Wonder Woman. Oh. And then he just barrels down on you and just proceeds to sprain each and every one of your fingers <laughs> um, and just pummels you into the ground and literally like Donkey Kong punching someone into the ground. Um, you throw up various spells, but unfortunately uh, he is far too mighty. You can tell he's a little winded because he really doesn't focus enough on his legs, but like he manages to unfortunately uh, take you down. So first round goes to Deedle Droop Finger Sprainer. <laughs> Quinny, you step into the field. They kind of rearrange it after they drag Doddle out to sort of a hill arrangement. Okay. Do you like grandstand for the crowd? What are you doing? Yeah, I do a bit of grandstanding. Cool. Uh, okay. I got my magic back and stuff like that. I give myself a high five with a mage hand and stuff. Reznov <laughs> says, introducing fighter number two, just a bear. <laughs> the gates open and the biggest bear you've ever seen just goes, <laughs> and runs at you. What do you do? I will uh, cast Hex on the bear. So you Hex the bear. What yeah. do you give him disadvantage on? Disadvantage on strength. <laughs> Great. He reaches you and swats you against a wall. He has disadvantage, but he's still a bear. Mm. So the game becomes you running around, throwing magic at this bear who just doesn't stop coming. It's a lot of like uh, Michael Bay Transformer shit where like you throw an Eldritch Blast at him and he just like leaps into the air weirdly managing to dodge most of it. This is not just a bear. <laughs> <laughs> After he manages to pummel you into the ground, he, he raises his arms to the crowd and goes, Thank you very much. This was a delight. And then he like lends a hand to you to like pull you up. And he's like, He was a great contender. And he pats you on the back. <laughs> Round two goes to just a bear. Juniper, you step out and you found that you've drawn one of the seasonal knights. All right. That's so fine. you will be fighting the winter knight. Okay. Juniper, you step onto the field and the Winter Knight steps out. They are an elf in frostbitten armor. So it looks like armor mm -hmm. that would have been sort of left in a glacier. It's all got a sheen of ice on it. Mm. Their sword seems to be steaming in the heat uh, under the sun. They walk out and they kind of pull their helm off and you can see they have frozen tears and their face is just full of agony and regret and, and sorrow. And they uh, turn to the spectator booth, they bow, they put the helmet on, and then they drop into a fighting stance. Roll for initiative. Okay. I look at the gamblers near me and I'm 13. like, I won the last two perfectly. This juniper lady's going down. <laughs> 13. So the knight rolled higher. So the knight goes first. It takes three steps towards you. And then you hear just take a deep breath and then it just wails and it's just an agonizingly sad sound. And as it does so, you just feel your entire body begin to go cold uh, and it casts a cone of cold on you. Shit. All right. So I need you to make a constitution save, please. Uh -uh. That's an eight. You are affected given how in tune you are with nature, but also how in tune you are with other people's suffering. You're confused and empathetic for a second. And by the time yeah. you realize your limbs are going cold, it is too late. I was about to call out being like, are you okay? Do you really want to fight? But, you know, I guess he does want to fight. Uh, can I can I see the fight that's happening right now? Uh, you can, yes. You're in like the little medics booth. Okay, They've cool. They've given you a lollipop. Queenie's got one too, and he doesn't look too happy about it, but secretly, it's a pretty fucking good lollipop. It's orange. Okay, I got my little lollipop, and I'm going to take a bit of copper wire out of my big old coat and twist it so it looks like that things that you blow bubbles with, and I'm going to cast message on the night. I'm going to be like, ain't shit. You're an embarrassment. <laughs> your own mother would be ashamed of the way that you're fighting right now. Do you ever think about how you're going to die alone one day? <laughs> Jesus, how does that make you feel? You can hear the response, right? Yeah. You hear almost, it sounds like someone heaving while crying, just every moment. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have a talk after this, and it's going to cost you 10 gold. Juniper, you're going to take 40 points of cold damage. Shit. But you can see the knight looking kind of distracted and looking away. 
which means I'm going to give you advantage on your next attack as the dark bubbles reach its ears. So go ahead. I've got my shield in one hand, my longsword in the other. I'm going to try first slash across the mouth. Mm -hmm. So let's just do that first. And I'm going to cast Divine Smite at level three as well. Damn. Yeah, unload on him. Yeah. There's also another spell that I would like to cast, (laughs) but like, should I be joining initiative if I want to do that? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. And Ryan, I'll have you do the same, please. 14 to hit. 14 will not hit. <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to, I'm going to use a bonus action in the middle of this to Misty step behind him and give another slash. Okay. I'll give you advantage because you're behind. Okay. Excellent. That is 24 to hit. That will definitely hit. <laughs> it's not going to be a lot of damage. That's five, five, <laughs> five damage for that. You sort of slash against the creature's back. It stumbles forward. Sorry. Uh, in terms of initiative... I got a two. And butthole? Mine is eight, but I'll always be holding my action until I understand. she gives me a sign. So the creature lurches forward. I'm going to say we're at the top of the round, which brings us to the Winter Knight. The Winter Knight pulls its sword out in front and does that back behind its stab mm-hmm. at you. So I'm going to roll attack. 14. My AC is 20 right now. The blade ricochets off your shield? Yeah. The knight looks over its shoulder. You can hear it sobbing, and then it just disappears in a puff of smoke and face steps across the arena and turns to face you and kind of drops into a a defensive stance. Brings us to you. I'm actually pretty afraid because that first (laughs) hit was super hard. So I think what I am going to do, I'm going to drop to my knees and raise both my hands in the air. From the side, I just subtly focus and I'm like, oh man. He's going to crush that juniper lady. And then I cast hot snakes. Can you roll me a deception check? Yes, I can. And I am going to use my inspiration. (laughs) There we go. That's fucking better. 21. Yes. Perfect. So a flaming butthole appears on the ground under the, the winter night. And it spreads into a giant circle of hellish buttholes that all start farting. They have streams of flame and smoke come up, all sort of shaped like turds. And you just hear a voice from hell go, hot, 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 hot. Uh, and then a stupid guy. I... <laughs> okay, it has to take a deck save, DC 16. Oh, no. Perfect. Okay, I need three more D6s. Yeah, it's 40 feet high and 10 feet in diameter. So it's just perfectly surrounding this knight. So that is 13 fire damage and 16 radiant damage for a total of... 29 damage from the hot snakes pouring forth from hell. As the hot snakes shoot up under, underneath him, he kind of gets like lifted up into the air a bit as these things attack him. You can see his armor steaming and smoking. Uh, it seems the fire is very effective. When he drops to the ground, you can see parts of his armor are melting off, and he uh, he seems staggered and, and drops to one knee and forces himself back up on his sword, but he looks badly, badly injured. Which brings us to Doddle. I'm going to look around to see if anybody's looking at me right now. I rolled a one. Everyone's pretty distracted by <laughs> this this event that's occurring. Okay, I'm going to just cough and go like, <clears throat> bomb ballerina, and I'm going to cast blindness on the dude. All right, well, uh, what does he need to roll? He needs to make a constitution saving throw. If it fails, the target is either blinded or deafened. For the duration, at the end of its turn, the target can make a constitution saving throw. On a success, the spell ends. So what is your spell casting DC? 17. So he rolled a 15, so he does not manage to wave it off. So this poor motherfucker nice. just goes blind and is sort of looking left and right, desperately trying to determine where the next attack will come from. Brings us to his turn. He's going to try and shake it off. He succeeds, so he blinks, but unfortunately, in trying to shake it off, he didn't 
move because he didn't want to like run at someone who's going to swing a sword. <laughs> so he's uh, managed to regain his sight. Juniper, you're up. Misty step seemed to work well before. So I'm going to immediately Misty step behind him again mm-hmm. and drop my shield and just wail to two hand strikes. Wax like right on his head. Just try to knock him out. Sure. Yep. <laughs> I'll divine smite up the first one. Sure. A 17. You get the sense you wouldn't have hit before, but now that part of his armor is melted off, you do. Yay! And then the second hit will be 17 again. Yep, both hits. All right, let's smite this shit. So we got seven slashing damage on the first one, plus 12 divine smite to that first hit as well. And then we've got another seven slashing damage. So you bring your sword down mightily the first time. You hear him kind of crack under the hit. You bring it down a second time and his torso shatters. Oh, Oh, what? In a burst of ice. The crowd bursts into applause. The other seasonal knights kind of raise their weapons in a salute. And a early teens elfish girl who's dressed all in blue steps out, walks over, picks up the helm. And you think you hear the knight whisper, thank you. And then she puts the helm on herself and begins to cry. The crowd applauds. She picks up the sword and makes her way. My jaw off just of drops. I am very confused and uh, kind of horrified. I don't know if I just killed someone. Would I have known anything about what just happened? Like, do I know any um, like rituals? Yeah, for... roll me a history check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12. So you know that in some instances when one of the seasonal knights is defeated, the helm passes to their apprentice. So in this case, it seems that this knight was near the end of their service. And so it seems that the next generation has picked up the torch. You also know that the winter night, as a cost of their service, experiences incredible melancholy and sadness, and that it's a burden rather than a joy, but a necessary one to keep the balance. So it's a sad thing, but also kind of a hopeful part of the cycle. Can we just say that I remembered this like just before he died? Yep, sure. So like as as (laughs) the top half of his torso is there, the apprentice is taking to the field. I'm going to... We'll say you spend stress to do this because this is what it's there for. I'm going to run right up to him. Donald, you rush out as the young apprentice is raising the helm and you can see that the night the light is going out in their eyes you gesture for her to wait you put your hand on the side of the helmet you look deep into the winter night's tear-filled eyes and what do you do i'd like to to the moon style go through his memories and just like take anything that's ever hurt him or made him feel bad and anything that would have added to that whole like I'm ready to die thing and just like, I just want him to be happy in his last few moments. So as you do so, you experience incredible melancholy and sadness and it's just an overwhelming feeling. But as you feel it fill you, it drains out of him and he makes eye contact with you. And just before the light in his eyes goes out, he says, thank you, princess. And then then he's gone and the apprentice takes the helmet, puts it on, picks up the sword and goes to take her place with the other knights. As she walks, you can see her arms are gradually starting to freeze. I'm just crying. Someone's like, get that girl out of there. (laughs) (laughs) So some people come and just pick you up and carry you out. I'm swearing furiously because I quote unquote lost my bet. (laughs) (laughs) Juniper, you've been victorious. You have a moment to rest before the final round. I lay on hands on myself, baby. I'm back to full health. (laughs) Is there anything any of you want to do before the final round? I'm going to cast Guidance on myself because if I'm going to try to interfere in this fight at all, I need a perfect moment when it's not happening. So I'm just going to spend my time like praying, but also being aware of my surroundings because Moonhammer helps those who help themselves. So a number of other rounds occur. Juniper, you fight a couple other rounds. None nearly as dramatic. You dispatch the halfling pretty handily. He comes at you with his giant arms and you just 
teleport and boot him. I'm going to say the entirety of the next few rounds will cost you one spell slot, uh, okay. first level spell slot, but you managed to make it to the final. So how many fights has she won to get to the final? Because I'm betting against her. Three. And then I'm imagining I would bet on like two or three other fights. Sure. Do you yep. want to give me a win-loss ratio on those? You win the first one, you win the second one, you lose the third one. So I'm even, and I am cursing Juniper openly. And I've thrown enough cash because I'm betting 50 gold every time that I've consistently lost to Juniper, and I'd be making a show of that with my neighbors. So I would try to befriend anybody else who's fucking pissed at Juniper. <laughs> so the final round is coming up. Grimlock, she thoroughly enjoyed the one night getting destroyed, but uh, generally speaking has been kind of bored. But suddenly you see her sort of scooch forward on her chair and kind of like clap her hands together in a very excited manner. Juniper, you take to the field. By this point, most of the crowd is on your side. They like the way you fought. The way you responded to the death of the Winter Knight kind of won them over because you were clearly trying not to murder someone, but were kind of part of something you weren't weren't planning on being. Right. So everyone's applauding. Um, <laughs> Juniper! Juniper the Merciful! <laughs> <laughs> you can see anytime you look over the Winter Apprentice's arms, ice is starting to actually grow on them. Mm. You can see she's starting to bulk up. That said, she's still like a head and shoulders shorter than everyone else, but still she's getting there. And finally, Reznov says, for the final round, we have special surprise as requested by Baroness Grimlock. We have hero of championship so far, Juniper, the merciful by accident, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And for your viewing pleasure, we bring celebrity combatant, ladies and gentlemen, and anyone who identifies on the rainbow spectrum that is gender Please welcome the Forsaken, and the gates open, (laughs) and a giant man in metal armor with a young squire next to him steps into the ring, throws his arms to the air, and goes, I am the Forsaken! And where I'm standing, I just yell, what in the fuck? (laughs) And he pulls a giant sword off his back, and it bursts into flame. I shall show you to hate yourself the way I do. And I look for Quinny and I'm like, that motherfucker took my shit. No one can hear me. I'm just like Bruce Wayne yelling in the carnival and like Batman forever. Like no one's hearing me but me. So roll for initiative. All right. 18. Juniper, you are up first. The Forsaken is a massive man in beaten black armor full of spikes. He has bare shoulders, huge gauntlets. He's wearing a uh, blackened helm with a beholder in the middle of it. And he's got a flaming sword that's almost the size of him, and he's very, very large. His companion, Murder Child, is kind of like standing by, holding like an axe in each hand, but he's just kind of dancing back and forth, kind of in a vaguely menacing, I'm cheering you on kind of way. Juniper, what do you do? Jeez. Quinny's joined the crown by now, and he just shouts out, Fuck him up, June! Let's start with a good old-fashioned moonbeam, just to get things rolling. Light of the moon, protect me! Great silvery beam of light falls directly on him. Okay. And that'll be that, because he doesn't get injured till the start of his next turn, which Which, will be right now. Which is right now. (laughs) I'm imagining I'm always holding actions until Juniper signals, so we don't need an initiative for me. Sounds good. Donald, you're still on your initiative of two. Okay. That's seven radiant damage. If he failed, it's a constitution save. He passes. But, so he takes half. He screams across the battlefield at you. You cannot illuminate what is only darkness. And then he rushes you with his sword. As he runs, you can see the intensity of his eyes, and they're, they're truly haunted, desperate eyes. She says, I have known nothing but failure, and so shall you. And he casts Bane upon you. You need to roll a charisma save, please. Yeah, baby. 
11. Unfortunately, you think about the scroll, you think about everything you don't know about the Great Collide and how your entire people relied on you to find answers, and yet you have so few, and you worry that perhaps he's right. But you're not even the Forsaken. Lies! <laughs> uh, you now have a minus D4 from all attack rolls. Oh, boo! As he casts Bane upon you. He closes distance and swings his mighty fire sword twice. He misses with both. You manage to dodge left and right as you're like saying, you're not even the Forsaken. (laughs) (laughs) The Forsaken would have hit me. Ooh. Duddle, did you want to do it? (laughs) Would I have heard Juniper say you're not even the Forsaken and would I have heard you shouting? Can you roll me a perception check? Yeah, sure. See if you can hear him yell that. That's a two again. That's four. Crowd noises. <laughs> yeah, you just think I'm celebrating. Yeah, you just hear rabble, 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 rabble. <laughs> you see me shaking my fist, but you assume it's just an act to pretend I'm mad at Juniper. All right, mm. I'll let you ponder. That said, if you're trying to figure out what Butthole is saying, I'll say that you can spend your action focusing on him, and next turn I'll give you advantage on your perception check. Because I think he's probably going to be yelling that pretty regularly throughout the fight. Like It's not like something you'd yell once and be like, oh, i got to get this under control. No, I'm outraged. Yeah, I am owed such a goddamn licensing fee for this. Fucking bullshit. I'm going to notice that my buddy up there got away with, like, butts appearing on the field. And he's like, well, if you didn't get caught for that, maybe I won't get caught if I do something crazy. And so I'm going to use Maximilian's Earthen Grasp, but I'm going to call it McCavity's Earthen Grasp. (laughs) So, yeah, a big hand pops out of the ground and just, like, grabs the Forsaken. What does he have to roll? The target must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, the target takes 2d6 bludgeoning damage. He passes his strength save. No! The hand goes up to grasp and he says, No one may hold me now! And he <laughs> smashes the fingers away. Juniper, you're up. I would like to misty step. What I want to do, I want to just start sprinting and start in a roll and then misty step to just in front of him and try to take out his legs. Mm-hmm. And then come up on top and try to, like, stab into his back. Uh, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll divine smite just at level one for that first attack. 19 to hit. He parries your blade away. Oh, boo. God. Shit. Wow. Okay. And the second is 25 to hit. That will hit. Six. You're full of doubts, but your sword rings true. Brings us to the Forsaken. So now you're nice and close. He turns around, plants a hand on your face. Says, now you should know pain as I do. And he casts Inflict Wounds. So he will hit you and you take 3d10. So I'm going to need my dice back, please. Juniper, you're going to take 13 points of damage as wounds just open across your body. That's okay. (laughs) So you say into his hand, though. So I kind (laughs) of Which brings us to Doddle. Doddle, I need you to roll me a stealth check. You can see guards actively moving through the crowd towards you. Oh, my God. 18. You managed to duck into the crowd. It's going to cost you this turn, but you'll be able to act next turn. Anybody seen a tiny goblin lady? No? Oh, shit. Everyone's just seen an ugly halfling in a scarf. (laughs) Top of the round, Juniper, you're in close combat. You've got the Forsaken's hand on your face. I'm going to try to shove him off Mm -hmm. as my first move. Uh, Pose strength check. Jesus fucking Christ. Sorry. (laughs) Five. He rolled a 20, so he's going to get a free unarmed attack against Uh. you. He hits you for 10. You try and, like, push his hand off, and he just squeezes. In which case, I'm going to drop my sword and swirl my hand around into a fist. In the crowd, for the duration of this fight, it's completely convincing because I am outraged. I'm just screaming stuff at the Forsaken, but trading the name Forsaken for Juniper. So it's just like, you dumb motherfucker! You're ruining this! You're ruining this! 
Juniper! (laughs) (laughs) I'm apoplectic, like spitting. I'm turning red, like pounding on the thing, and I'm fucking mad. So I'm going to cast the spiritual weapon Mm -hmm. right into the fight at my highest spell level. I'm so fucking mad. (laughs) I'm guessing I need to roll stealth. Yes, please. That is a nat one plus one, so it's just a just ones all around. In the name of Moonhammer, I cast this spell. <laughs> Everyone, if I can have your attention for a moment. All right. So, butthole, you go to cast spiritual weapon into Juniper's outstretched hand, and then from the far side of the arena, you hear a murder child say, "Your gods have no place here." And all of a sudden, a magic power, the likes of which you've never encountered, just obliterates the weapon in her hand. And immediately you're tackled by a bunch of toughs who start dragging you out of the arena. I have two warring thoughts. One, I need to kill whoever's dressed up as the Forsaken. And two, I think I need to kill that kid. Like, <laughs> I'm just having a moral quandary. I'm like, if that kid can destroy the power of gods, I'm morally obligated to murder that child. You get the sense there's more of an interference than an utter destruction. Oh, yes. good. I don't have to murder a kid. I feel better about uh, that already. That said, as it happens, you see the Forsaken turning in direction to say, Bothole! A doy! I dragged away. Great. Which brings us to the Forsaken. So the Forsaken takes two big swings. You, Juniper... He will only hit you with one. Okay. You're going to take 15 damage from the sword and four damage from fire for a total of 19. Brings us to Doddle. You've managed to hide in the crowd. You see Butthole starting to get dragged away. You also see that the kid at the far end has dispelled his magic. This is fine. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I look at you and I'm like, don't go for me. Like, I look (laughs) towards the ring. I can actually handle this. Uh, 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 Just looking back and forth, like, in a panic. And I throw my hands down as if I'm throwing down a smoke bomb. But, like, a puff of smoke appears. (laughs) And I... I use polymorph and I turn into butthole and I, <laughs> <laughs> and, I and I scurry. Well, I guess it's running now because I'm a full grown man and I run up and I'm like, you stupid fuckers, it is I, butthole of the house of Flarch. Then who's this? I have magic powers. Did you not see that thing that just happened? Quick, get him. Ah, and then I run. Catch uh, me if you can. So two of them start chasing the other butthole. Also, keep in mind, like, these guys are dragging you away from the arena. It's not like they're dragging you to jail. They're just like, you guys are interfering with the game. You get booted. It's like getting kicked out of a a sports arena. But now, like, half of them are chasing Doddle. Half of them are dragging Butthole. I'm just, like, shaking my head. Like, what a (laughs) fucking train wreck. And and then I just look back and I see the Forsaken. I'm like, you motherfucker! Like, I just, I go back into yelling. I cannot stop. Angry sports dad. All right, Juniper, you're up. Jesus, I don't got much, man. This has been rough for good old Junie here. Hmm. Well, it might be rough for Junie. Would it be rough for someone else? Oh, God. Yeah, Crunch is starting to feel the itch. I'm going to use my unsettling visage just so my face becomes moss for an instant and then goes back to Juniper. Mm -hmm. So the Forsaken will now have disadvantage on attack rolls. Oh, your nature is changeable (laughs) like mine. (laughs) And I want to try to grab my sword, two-hand it into his throat from below. Fucking hell. 16 to hit on the first one. No dice. Okay. That's not going either because that was a two. So um, No dice. You stab down twice and he manages to like (laughs) deflect it with his breastplate. But you see he keeps constantly kind of looking in the direction of you, Quinny, as as Juniper's like stabbing down at him, but his armor's kind of flexing. He's like, Quinny? Quinny like looks around like, yeah. (laughs) Juniper, he locks eyes with you and he kind of looks back to the two buttholes running away. I give him the finger. (laughs) (laughs) And he says to you, 
Do you know these two? Yeah, they're my companions, and you're not the Forsaken. Then strike me down. Perhaps there's hope for you. And he absolutely fucking flubs an easy attack and leaves himself wide open. All right, let's get her done. Let's find that weak <laughs> spot in the neck, right at the neck and shoulders, and uh, wail on it. Jesus. 13. That doesn't hit. <laughs> and 20. The first time glances off his armor, you actively see him roll his eyes in frustration <laughs> and like bend his neck up, uh, and you drive the blade into his shoulder. Go ahead and roll your damage. 11. You drive the blade in. You feel almost as though it's just like caught in his shoulder bone. Like you're mm. not really driving it like into his torso uh, as you'd hoped. But he immediately drops to one knee. Oh, finally a reprieve. Uh, and he falls over. And I raise my arms in victory. <laughs> and uh, the crowd bursts into applause. Murder Child kind of runs up to check on him. Amidst all the cheering and shouting, Quinny just says to himself, Oh man, Butthole is going to hate this for his brand. <laughs> Forsaken Lost. <laughs> Juniper Reznov awards you the title of Champion of Handor. Mm -hmm. You're given like a crown of flowers and a cloak of flowers from uh, the local flora and fauna. I graciously accept this. Through my years of traveling, I've received a lot of awards. Like cool. This. Yeah, yeah, you're used to it. <laughs> like, you know, the photo, like, you know, the angles, you're, you're doing all the, the right photo op stuff. The two buttholes, you basically just get the bums rush out of the arena and like, just stay out of Woolworths. So you don't <laughs> see the name of the arena. Yeah, Woolworths Arena. The thing is, as you're being ejected, six other wizards and various people are being ejected as well. So you all just kind of form like the angry smokers crowd outside. That said, Butthole, how are you feeling about all this? You've just been dragged away from combat. You can hear the cheers of Juniper. Like you get the sense that Juniper won. I'm glad she won, but I'm fucking livid who the fuck is me right now are they with Annan? because i haven't heard from that friggin lady in way too long this is some bullshit like i'm just pacing back and forth like you don't get to take my fucking identity i fucking earned that it was a train wreck i was an atheist i summoned a god up from hell like i can't believe it. this is happening to anybody i don't know who would possibly believe that this would happen to me i don't know what's going on and why the fuck are you me why is everybody me today doll you slowly <laughs> pull out your clipboard i'm just watching this unfold yeah i'm not talking to me Fuck me! I'm the worst! <laughs> and then I just like, I'm like wow. having a little like stomp thing in the corner in full armor because I'm so grumpy and I take off my coat and I throw it on the ground and then I pick it back up because it was expensive. <laughs> just... Butthole, there's a lot to unpack there. Did you just admit to me that you're filled with self-loathing? Admit? I'm always full of self-loathing. You know, I feel like we made a big breakthrough here today. <laughs> I'm not giving you fucking gold. <laughs> <laughs> this 10 gold, I'm throwing it in the garbage. I just throw it in a garbage can. <laughs> All of the people who got ejected dive into the garbage can and fight over it. I'll give another 10 gold to whoever can tell me where the Forsaken is staying. <laughs> Jesus. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter. Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter. Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. And Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram 
are at Dum Dum Dice and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dum Dum Dice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at Redbubble.com slash People slash Dum Dum Dice, or you can join our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Now playing from Voyage Media. A naked woman picked up the recently decapitated head of a goat that had been sitting in a large silver-colored bowl. She held the goat's head high above hers, its dull black eyes staring emptily as she threw her black hair and allowed the blood to trickle down the front of her body. When the lights go down, what stories really stick with you? Presenting Fever Dreams, an anthology of dark genre stories. Horror, crime, sci-fi. My eyes settled on a crystal piece, the only thing hanging on any of the walls. A man's face, set inside a raging sun. The eyes started to glow. Now playing from Voyage Media, in association with Seven Lamb Productions, creators of the hit audio drama Tower 4. A new descent into darkness in every episode. Season 1 of Fever Dreams, a pulp collection. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.